Sometimes it's inevitable to give in Sometimes that's the only way to begin Sometimes hitting the ground with your face down is the only way Sometimes that's how you finally feel okay Welcome to the Japan Distilled Podcast. We're very excited that you've joined us again today. And I'm your host, Christopher Pellegrini, recording in my booze pantry in Tokyo, Japan. And with me, as always, recording in Fukuoka, Japan, is my co-host, Stephen Lyman. We're both certified shochu and awamori professionals, published authors, and we have to admit that we sometimes enjoy premium whiskey in a highball. Sorry. We've been exploring the wonderful world of Japanese spirits for a combined three decades, and we're very excited to share all of the things that we've learned with you through this podcast. Stephen, how are you doing? Hello, Christopher. I'm doing well, as always. And apropos of your opening comment, my absolute favorite highball is Hakushu 18. Whoa. And that sounds insane to people when I tell them that. That's decadent. It's decadent, but the way I discovered that was on a press trip to Miyazaki, probably the third or fourth stop of the night. We ended up in this very traditional Japanese bar, and the bartender was making Hakushu highballs with Hakushu 18. This was before Japanese whiskey became impossible to find and extremely expensive. And I think we were spending 1,000 yen a glass for that. And that would probably be a, what, 40, 50, 60 dollar half pour today (laughs) right right it's a really really special drink but it is absolutely gorgeous in a highball well i've been on distillery tours where they won't in the at the end of the tour in the tasting room they won't serve you anything but a highball so it came to the point where and i will not name the distillery but we were having to ask them to say we would say okay can you at least give me the the soda and the whiskey separated so that i can mix it myself and honestly we just drank the whiskey by itself but that was it's prescriptive it's that's how it's done it's so common here in japan to be mixing whiskey with soda Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. true just to give a little bit of context and to properly seat this episode amongst everything else that we have going on over the past two episodes we were talking about shoju and awamori service styles we went through hot serves and cold serves and today we're going to move on to japanese whiskey This might seem like a little bit of an odd topic to whiskey lovers to be focusing on different ways to serve this ultra premium category of whiskey, but it should make sense to you by the time we finish. And before we get any deeper into this, if you have been enjoying the show, then please tell like-minded drinks fans around the world about Japan Distilled. And as always, if you have time to rate and review then that's going to put a huge smile on our face. We will love you forever, and we will hug you if we ever meet you. Um, This is going to help other people find the show, and it's just going to spread the word about these amazing drinks. Uh, Absolutely agree. And yeah, I mean, the reviews keep coming in. Uh, I just checked, and we are up to 24 reviews on iTunes, which is a little bit of a milestone in my mind. I know 24 is an odd number, but when we started this project, I was going to all of my favorite drinks podcasts and checking to see how many reviews they had had. And one of my favorite podcasts had 24 reviews Oh yeah, at the time when we started recording. And so to be at episode 22 and have 24 reviews, uh, I'm really, really happy about that. That's good to hear. So thank you 
to everyone who's uh, taken the time to do that. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah. So if you're listening at home and probably not counting reviews, you, you, but you should be uh, counting how many drinks you had. And if it's your at least second drink, then hopefully you're sipping some whiskey. If it's not Japanese whiskey, we will forgive you momentarily, but don't actually openly admit that to anyone. Um, and if it's your first drink, maybe you are doing what we're doing, which is I, I have a beer. I do too, actually. <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. So in, that's not rare. Yeah. In a common, uh, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere moment. Uh, we're actually recording this at 5 p.m. And uh, Christopher said, all right, well, I'm going to have a beer. And I said, I'll join you. So what, what beer are you having, Christopher? I'm drinking my standard Ebisu. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've got a uh, Mino Stout, which oh. you turned me on to, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I order that, order that by the case. Speaking of ordering things by the case, do you have anything through a, an online service that you have delivered automatically on some sort of cycle, like monthly or something like that? I do not. I learned about this, about having things delivered monthly because I accidentally had ticked the box to have a specific brand of whiskey delivered to my home every month. And it kept, <laughs> it was, it wasn't until like the fourth month in a row. I was like, did I actually order this again? Cause I still have a lot left. <laughs> and, and I went into the settings and it turns out that somehow I had ticked the box that got me a cheaper price every time I purchased it, but it was going to be sent again on a specific date every month. So um, now I, I canceled that because I didn't need that much of that particular whiskey brand. I don't drink it that often. Mm -hmm. There are other whiskey brands I could imagine doing it with, but I do have one particular item that I have delivered. I can't remember what day it's in the twenties. Actually, the case just showed up yesterday. So it must've been like the 22nd or something. And it is a 24 pack, a case of Ebisu 350 milliliter cans. Cause I drink Almost every day I drink one of them. Okay. So yeah, it's your, it's your Otsukade beer at right? the end of the, end of the workday beer. Basically at the end of the workday, well, it's not really for us because our workday restarts. Um, but, uh, it's the, it's the siesta time beer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, it's pretty, it's pretty nice that you can count on that showing up and you don't, don't need to scramble. <laughs> sure. Sure. I guess I'll have to look into that if I, I guess for me with beer anyway, I'm, I have so much fun exploring craft beer at Beerholic here in Fukuoka, which is not that far from my apartment. So I'll go in there a couple of times a week and pick up whatever they've got new that, that strikes my fancy. And so it's sure. hard for me to know what I'm going to want to be drinking monthly. Although the Mino Stout is so... It's so good. So good. It's a really, really solid stout. It's not particularly expensive when you buy it by the case uh, compared to the price if you're buying by the bottle around town. Yep. Um, it's a good beer. It's yeah, I like it quite a bit. But this is not a Japan beer podcast. We'll no, save that for the folks over at Beer Tengoku. Yeah. Uh, this is this is Japan distilled, so maybe we should get back on track. Yeah. Well, I mean, whiskey does start its life as beer, so hey, fair, fair. So, uh, okay. Now, whiskey and Japanese whiskey. So, how do you normally drink whiskey? If for me. And this goes, this goes back a while. I tend to drink whiskey on the rocks. Mm -hmm. And I know for a lot of whiskey drinkers, that's sacrilegious or that's not cool or whatever, but I don't really care because that's how I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, 
I understand when you're evaluating whiskey, you're going to want to either taste it straight or with a little bit of dilution, right? Mm-hmm. And I and you I completely understand if you really want to focus tasting, that's what you need to be doing. But whiskey professionals actually dilute by about fifty percent or more when they're examining their own whiskeys for sale in order to get a sense of of what flavor and aroma compounds are there are present because when the alcohol is too high it's really difficult to do that right you're gonna you're gonna mask a lot of those uh flavor and aroma compounds that are what are going to express once people start to dilute right and regardless of what purists think and we love the purists we're purists about many things in many ways right and and we really do love these drinks most drinkers are not most drinkers are going to do some sort of dilution sure. some sort of mixing and so, you know, and in Scotland, you've got the little water dropper on the bar to drop into your dram. You, you can right. actually basically add water uh, to your whiskey as you're sipping it to see how it expresses with a little bit of dilution. And so for me, I started drinking whiskey, I guess, after college. Once I had a little bit of coin in my pocket and I can afford it, I started drinking scotch. And then I got into American bourbon mm-hmm. and I was drinking those on the rocks. And I really, really liked the way. That those barrel aged spirits express on the rocks. I do the same thing with barrel aged rum. I just really enjoy it over ice. Now, I if I want something lighter and refreshing, then I'll go to the highball. Right? I'll I'll do the. Uh huh. But what is it about one part whiskey to four parts soda? Yeah. Three parts soda. Those are beautiful drinks with some brands. It doesn't work with everything. But with Japanese whiskey, it often works. Yeah, almost always. How about you? What's what's your? Uh, how do you tend to enjoy your whiskey? When I started drinking whiskey back in the day, I mean, I I drank a lot of Jack Daniels when I was in college, and that was usually on the rocks. Um, a lot of friends would, of course, dump Coca-Cola into it, and I generally tried to avoid that. But, um, you know, I grew up mixing bourbon and gingers for, for people in my family. I was the default bartender in, in, for <laughs> all of our home parties. I started doing that when I was in when I was uh, in elementary school. And um, this so before I was, or after the gin episode, this was be- well before the gin, gin episode, I <laughs> okay. became the family reliable family bartender from a very young age. And that was my job at any dinner party to, was to walk around and, and get drinks, uh, prepare drinks for all of the adults, no matter whose house I was at. Actually, it was grandparents, um, sometimes friends, dinner parties. They were like, Hey, hey Chris, do you mind? Um, do you mind? And I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. Where's the dry sink? And, uh, so I was very familiar with Jim Bean just growing up because I was always pouring that and then college. And then, uh, after college, like you, I started to branch off into, into scotch and, um, and Irish whiskey a little bit as well, but I was drinking it. I think we can say on the rocks was the most common way. Mm-hmm. How about these days? What do you, what do you tend to do? Honestly, much like with shochu, I actually have learned to appreciate the highball more and more. I've gotten more into it. Okay. And there are a couple of joints where they make such a good highball that you almost, it's criminal not to have one Mm. when you go in there. I'm thinking of a specific standing bar in Tenmonkan down in Kagoshima City. We've both been there together. We both had Mm -hmm. the highball and it is exquisite. Absolutely. And it is so good served in one of those copper tumblers, mm-hmm. those tall copper things. It is so good that it it almost ruins highballs for me elsewhere. Right. I, I just because I always think about this and he, he does that little citrus note on the top. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my lord, that's good. Um, but you know that I guess I'm sort of getting into that. But I'm also if the if the ABV isn't too high, meaning it's not in the high fifties, mm-hmm. then I'm often going to be sipping it straight. And I don't drink a whole lot of whiskey at home. I do like to just have a ha- you know just a small puddle of it before moving on to something else. Yeah, I just like the character. I love the the depth. Um, I love the aroma. Mm-hmm. So neat is often fun. But speaking of ABVs, I think it's good to let's talk about this in terms of whiskey ABVs around the world. I think in most by most standards, forty percent is the minimum. Am I right? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. In most countries. In most countries, and then the really the standard bottling proofs are often eighty, eighty six, ninety. You, you see a hundred, and those would translate to respectively 40%, 43%, 45%, and 50% ABV. Yeah. And and that's, uh, Scotch, for example, is traditionally 43% alcohol, so 86 proof. Mm-hmm. And then like bo- bottled in bond is always 100 proof uh, for, for American whiskeys. Okay. And at least traditionally. Gotcha. And and now, you know, we, we get so many single casks and cask strengths and all of these different expressions, especially in the super premium category for American whiskey, for Scotch whiskey, Irish whiskey, and now Japanese whiskey. You're seeing whiskeys up into the high 50s, 60s, yeah, pushing 70% alcohol. Sure. And those things are hot. Yeah. They're really, really, really hot. And I don't know how some people enjoy this, at least not straight. It's almost like dilution is needed Mm -hmm. just to bring it down so that you can taste anything but let's do a little bit of a pop quiz christopher i I hate to put you on the spot but you said you drank or you were familiar with jack Jack daniels yeah Uh, i guess you drank a lot of jack daniels when you're younger what's the abv of jack daniels i remember it being 40 percent, but perhaps i'm wrong it might have been just north of that you are correct am i right jack daniels is yeah it's 40 percent I grew up I grew up thinking that all whiskey was 40% because I think Jim Beam was too. Yeah, you know, I had the same impression. Uh at at a point I thought whiskey was 40%. Uh how about Johnny Walker Black? Johnny Walker Black is 43? It's 40. It's 40. It's 40. Well, I suck at this. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. You got the first one. You're 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 one for two. That's okay. not a bad batting average. We'll, we'll we'll play this like baseball. Okay, I'm still I'm still on the starting roster. I like it. You are. You are. How about uh, Maker's Mark? That one, I think, is, well, depending on the bottling, the, their standard is 40, is it not? It is 45. Crap. Now, the, now the, in, your, in fairness to you, I, and I, I didn't check this, the Japanese bottling of Maker's Mark might be 40, but the, the American uh, standard is 40. 45? Okay. Yeah. I, I could never afford that when I was in college. Sure. Yeah, that was the fancy stuff with the red wax top. Yep. All right. One more Lafroig, 10-year. The Freud 10, 40, uh, 43, 40. Really? It's yep. I, I went, I went to the source. I went to their website. So now I'm batting 250. Yeah. That's still, you know, as long as you got a good glove. What's my slugging. Maybe I have a great OBP. Maybe I'm a, maybe I draw a lot of walks. I'm still valuable. <laughs> yeah, no, but this is to show like, you know, we think of whiskey as being higher proof, mm-hmm. right? But actually, a lot of whiskey, a lot of whiskey is bottled at 40. A lot of the main, like the big brands, the brands with really nice reputations, uh, you know, and long histories are, are bottling at 40% alcohol. And I think that is essentially because you can taste more, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, they're extending the amount that they're making, right? They're able to sell higher quantities, make more bottles of it if they're diluting more. You know, when you see a 57% or a 62% bottling of some single cask at, at cask strength, that's the exception. Most whiskey, I think, is is uh, is much lower, but they are but they are being casked at those higher proofs, and then they are diluted all the way down to forty percent, yeah, before bottling, right? Right. So there's a lot of water added. So so in some ways, it's it's I guess akin to shochu or awamori, which is typically distilled below forty five percent alcohol and then diluted to twenty five percent. That's probably a higher percentage of dilution, but it's it's not that far off. I just thought that was interesting. It's it's kind of not relevant to the the topic of the episode, but essentially, I don't think people should be afraid of diluting their whiskey. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. Right. Because what's in the bottle's already been diluted, diluted ninety five to ninety nine percent of the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and you mentioned before the the amount of blending. I mean, Johnny Walker, of course, is a blended Scotch, mm-hmm. and there is a a ton of blending that happens in the in the whiskey industry some of it announced and much of it not but uh how 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 are things in japan yeah i mean it's it's the same here right we've got a lot of really really lovely blending blended whiskeys and i think that's actually what makes a lot of japanese whiskey japanese whiskey is the masterful blending Mm. but when you're doing a blend you're really looking for specific character in the whiskey right you're looking for uh, you're trying to bring out certain notes, certain aromas or flavors. And for the master blender to understand how to do that, he's going to dilute below that 40 or 45 or 50% threshold that they're going to be bottling at to see how that expresses, as I mentioned earlier. And if he's shooting for those flavors and aromas in that range, there's no reason to be afraid of dilution. True. And in fact, sometimes I think whiskey expresses more nicely. Uh, I see. Maybe that's not the right word. I don't know. But I think the whiskey can express very nicely with uh, with some dilution. And historically, this was very common in Japan. The post-war, I guess it was around 1955, it was about 10 years after the war ended, that Suntory opened their first Tories bar. And the Tories bar was a bar intended to mimic an Irish or English pub but with whiskey instead of beer. Mm. And there were two reasons for doing this. One is that at the time, post-war beer taxes were really high. So you could actually serve a whiskey for less than you could serve a beer while serving the same amount of alcohol. Weird. And so how they would do that is actually with dilution. So they would dilute the whiskey down to about a beer strength, maybe a little bit higher, uh, with uh, usually with cold water sometimes with hot water. And in a Tories bar, a glass of whiskey costs you about the same as a cup of coffee. <laughs> and so there were over 1,500 Tories bars throughout Japan during like the 1960s and into the 70s. Cranky. They were extremely popular places and everybody was drinking heavily, heavily diluted whiskey in these bars. And so that's just sort of, that's been a long part of the whiskey drinking tradition here is, is dilution. Yeah. I mean, dilution is so part and parcel with all spirits from Japan or most spirits made in Japan. And particularly if you've listened to the previous two episodes about cold service styles and hot service styles, you'll remember we talked about Mizuari and we talked about Oyuari. It's 
just such a common approach to spirits in this country. And I think a lot of it is just the reality of the context. You're almost always drinking with food at, at the table. You need to make sure that your spirits aren't bludgeoning whatever you're enjoying them with. And in that sense, there's a harmony between the drinks and the food that is, it you know, wine will come to mind for a lot of people. Beer will come to mind for a lot of people. Spirits in Japan, there's a culture of molding them to that same concept. And mm -hmm. I know it sounds crazy, but yes, people do drink spirits with their meals. And it's every day, it's common to not do so is weird. That's completely fair. And I think to that end, most whiskey sold in Japan is 40% alcohol. Yeah. As we were mentioning at the top of the show, we both thought 40 was standard. And I think that is standard for a lot of mass market brands, as we demonstrated with the pop quiz. But in Japan, it's almost everything is 40%, right? Until recently. Some of the premium whiskeys now are, are being bottled at 43, 45%. They're learning. Yeah. It's true. But you even see imported brands of spirits that are bottled in their home countries at something above 40. But when they come in here, they drop the ABV to 40 just because that's such, it's the, it's the standard here. Yeah. And the, the bottom shelf stuff, the whiskey in the big plastic jugs, which fortunately can no longer be classified as whiskey yeah. <laughs> under the new labeling standards. Some of those are about 37% alcohol. Okay. <laughs> They're under 40. And that, at that point, I don't know what, what it is, but it doesn't feel like whiskey to me anymore. Yeah. That's a, it's an inter interesting question. What's the ABV, the minimum ABV required? I guess maybe that's a discussion for another day, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, thankfully they're not, not whiskey anymore. So, uh, service styles, what you got? Sure. Well, I, we mentioned the highball at the top of the show yeah. and yeah. that is by far the most popular style right now to the point where you get, there are not highball machines. There are in Izakaya right next to the beer you know, the draft beer. And right next to that will be a tap for, for highball. And, and it's just, yeah, they get equal, uh, an equal amount of work during the, the shift that mm -hmm. people are pouring, you know, it's just like a draft. It's just, it's a tap, pour a perfectly mixed highball, um, over ice. But how would you, how would you make one, make one at home? What's your way to build a highball at home? Yeah, I'm pretty precious about this. I'm almost Christopher Pellegrini Oyuwadi level precious about oh, oh, geez. how I do in a highball. Uh, and I really start with chilling the glass. So I will uh, fill the glass with ice. It's, I usually want like a Collins glass, like a tall, thin right. glass. If I'm not keeping it in the fridge to get it cold that way, I'll fill it with ice and I'll stir probably 20, 30 seconds. Until it's, it's, it's the same thing you do. I'm holding that glass. And when it gets almost too cold to hold. Unbearable. Right. That's when it's, that's when it's cold enough. Then I'll drain off the excess, any, any of the ice melt. And then I top up the, the ice. Mm -hmm. I will then pour usually depending on the size of the glass, I'm going to pour it up about 20% from the base, maybe 25% because the glasses tend to be narrower at the base. Right. So there's, there's going to be more volume, more headspace mm -hmm. toward the yeah. top. And then I very, very slowly pour ice cold soda water down the side of the glass to fill it up. And then I'll just do a 
And often the, the addition of these two things is often going to make the ice melt a little bit. So I will top it up with fresh ice. And then I give it a very, very gentle, maybe half turn with a, with a muddler, with a, with a muddler. And then that's it. That's, that's the drink. I have watched Japanese bartenders take several, several minutes making a single highball. Yeah. And they never taste better than when they're made that way. And so I've really tried to replicate that at home with, with how I make my highball. And I'll do that whether I'm using some relatively cheap blended whiskey or some premium whiskey. That's just my process for making a whiskey highball. Mm. What other styles are there other than the highball? Yeah, so they've kind of fallen out of favor, but I think you still can uh, order them. And the bartenders, I think, generally will know what you're asking for. And one is called the half up and the other is called the twice up. Right, right. Yeah. And a half up is actually what we would call a whiskey and soda. It's a 50-50. So usually in a rocks glass, over ice, half whiskey, half soda. Um, A twice up is actually 50-50 with cold water. But no ice. Yeah, no ice. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually, I want to start exploring that a little more. I feel like that might be a nice drink. I, might, I may start playing with the twice up. Yeah, they, they actually put the twice up in the textbook for the, the SSI Shouju Kiki Sakeshi exam. And I remember when I was reading that book for the first time, I was thinking, I have never heard anybody order twice up in a Shouju <laughs> bar. And I think right. if they did, the bartender might tell them to leave but uh yeah it it, clearly the the that that part of whiskey bar culture is has leaked or seeped or bled into the shochu scene a little Mm -hmm. bit but that's actually what i do with my if i don't want ice if i i think i mentioned this on the last episode if i don't want twice up isn't it yeah yeah, i don't want a hot mizuati with no ice exactly twice up yeah yeah which is not crazy i just don't think anybody would call it a twice up in a shochu bar <laughs> let's let's start let's make it a um, thing <laughs> yeah maybe we'll see how many bars we get kicked out of um so i'm definitely gonna have to try both of those i mm-hmm. i've never tried a uh a twice up with whiskey but you know if that's the way that a lot of people were ordering it then you can bet your bottom dollar that the blenders were thinking about it when they were finding the perfect mix mm-hmm. um how do you normally do this at home is it is it the highball at home it's it depends if i want something refreshing it's a highball if i just want to relax after a long day like a nightcap sort of situation it's usually on the rocks or a straight i I see yeah how about you yeah i mean as i as i said i don't drink a ton of whiskey at home it's usually just kind of a transition drink for me Mm -hmm. and i like to have in in a glencairn glass or something similar just a nice little puddle of it maybe i think we're it might actually be less than a shot mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. slowly roll that around in there and nose it and think about it. And, and then sh- like I, like with, um, with shochu glasses, I like, this sounds a little bit weird. It sounds dirty, but I like to leave the glass out overnight, um, with no spirit left in it. But th- of course there's residue from the drink mm-hmm. and I like to smell how that expresses the next morning oh you're absolutely right you learned so much about what you were think what you were thinking about how you couldn't put your finger on some of the notes mm-hmm. yep the next morning they're out there and it's like ow that's what that was that was peanut brittle or oh that was you know that was that was toffee or something like that and mm-hmm. it for whatever reason when it when it um dries a lot mm-hmm. of those other things are released it's really kind of fun 
Yeah, you you turned me onto that a, a few months ago, and I've I've been doing that. Any of the whiskeys that I enjoy at night, I'll leave the glass out and and smell it in the morning. <laughs> yeah, my wife is like, yeah, that's not what you you're just lazy. You you're trying <laughs> to find an excuse for your laziness, and it's it's she, research. On some, <laughs> on some level, she may be correct, but um, no, I actually do value that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's a good le- uh, learning tool for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you are really focused on on studying the drink, it's a it's a another tool in your toolbox to to get some of those flavor and aroma notes and really to isolate them once the alcohol has evaporated off and it's just left the the compounds on your glass. Well, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to ask you, what about Oyuwadi for whiskey? What are your thoughts there? I I have never done that on my own, but I have had it in a couple of different bars because it was recommended to me. And I, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're similar in this way. Yeah, I'll try anything. Try anything if it's not going to kill me. And it's, it wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a couple of whiskey. I can't remember the brands to be perfectly honest with you. But in both cases, I was like, well, that's, that's actually kind of okay. I could, I could get used to this, especially, you know, as we said during the previous podcast episode, especially during the colder months, I think it would make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Have you tried it? I actually have not, but it is a style that some people do drink in Japan. And it reminded me of uh, what you had said on the previous episode, that it'll be summertime in southern Japan, which is the hottest, most humid part of the country. And people are still drinking oyuwari shochu, even in the Imami Islands. And then even you get down to Okinawa, and they're drinking oyuwari awomori. Now, it's not that common once you get that far south, but that's actually all of that drinking oyuwari in that style was brought down by the sam- uh, samurai uh, from Satsuma. Right. That hot water drink was was really from that part of the country. And and it's really interesting to me that hot water whiskey still exists in, in some parts of Japan. It is. Uh, again, there's, you know, hot scotch used to be a thing. So it's a... Uh, um, you know, there is a tradition there that, that maybe maybe needs to be revived. Maybe that's the next way for, for Japanese whiskey is for people to start trying it, a little bit of hot water. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but the theme here clearly is there's a lot of dilution, isn't there? I mean, we've, we've mm-hmm. talked about, of course, people do drink whiskey on the rocks and that will dilute in its own right slowly. But then you've got all of these other styles, the twice up, the half up, the, the highball, which is omnipresent. Mm-hmm. And and then yeah, the Oyuwadi version of a whiskey, uh, which I you don't see very often, but yeah, it does it does occur. There are adherents. Yeah, I think this just gets back to what I hope is our overarching theme of of this entire podcast show, which is find what you like, drink it how you like, as long as you think the price is fair. And you enjoy it. Yeah. Drink it. Yeah, we do. We do keep coming back to that message, don't we? Whether regardless of the drink. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think it's fair. I mean, there's a lot of almost social pressure or peer pressure around spirits in particular. I think the same is probably true for wine and beer. Oh, absolutely. With with wine and beer, you're not really playing with temperature or dilution, right? Yeah, not so much. The spirits, you've got this whole other aspect of it that just makes it even more, there's, there's more ways for people to feel like they're not doing it right that's true but i think you're doing it right if you're enjoying it that's what it comes down to absolutely absolutely and that's 110 percent the case for shochu and awamori i hope that we've conveyed that to regular listeners of the podcast but it can absolutely 
also be the case for whiskey. It can also be the case for rum. And uh, that might not be. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it is readily apparent to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, So cool. That's uh, hopefully was eye opening for some some people out there who really enjoy their dram and maybe might encourage people to experiment a little bit. Uh, We understand that, of course, if you get a bottle of Japanese whiskey, wherever you happen to live in the world, that might have set you back several hundred dollars. (laughs) So so you may want to be a little bit conservative with mixing highballs until you become really confident in your technique. But yeah, just drink them if you got them. Drink slowly. Drink it how you like it. So thank you all very much for listening. And if you'd like to learn more about these service styles and much more about Japanese whiskey in particular, then please pick up a copy of Stephen's book, The Complete Guide to Japanese Drinks, which is available on Amazon and other online portals. And then, of course, in better bookstores around the world, you can also find it. You can find me uh, at Chris Pellegrini on Twitter and at Christopher Pellegrini on Instagram. Stephen, where can people find you? You can find me at Japan Distilled on both Twitter and Instagram. And let us know how you like to drink your Japanese whiskey. Straight school, anything else is cool. Just be good to hear how people are drinking uh, Japanese whiskey, but not just as a category, because all of these are going to express better or worse in different ways. Right. But which Japanese whiskeys are you drinking how? Curious to hear what you think. Mm. Also, please listen to our Japan Distilled Show Tuesday live stream every Tuesday evening, 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific or 10 a.m. Wednesday, if you happen to be in Japan. That's on Facebook and on YouTube uh, being live streamed. So thank you very much. We'll be back again soon with another episode of Japan Distilled. So check your stream every couple of weeks and let us know what you're drinking. Until next time, from Stephen and I here in Japan to all of you out there in the Japan Distilled universe, a very hearty and heartfelt kanpai. Kanpai. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Distilled Podcast. This has been Christopher Pellegrini with my co-host Stephen Lyman. Our theme song is Begin Anywhere by the very talented Tomoko Miyata. Audio engineering by the incomparable Rich Pav, who also edits the fantastic Uncanny Japan podcast with Teresa Matsuura. Please give that a listen as well if you're interested in Japanese fables and ghost stories. Time's up, I'm